0: And the reading comes from Isaiah chapter 9, and it's got some well-known pieces within it. And let's read it out. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. <laughs> the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood stained by war, they will all be burned. The passionate commitment of the lords of heaven armies will make this happen. This St. Andrews is God's word. So uh, if you're visiting this morning, over the last couple of weeks... We've been checking out this uh, prophecy in Isaiah 9. The great thing is, if you're super keen, you could just jump on YouTube and check it out. Sometimes I check out sermons and I put them at speed 1.5 because uh, I want to get through them to get the content. I don't. I suggest don't doing that with me. I already speak at 1.5 anyway. Uh, but uh, but you can welcome to check that out and f- and find out uh, all those different parts of the prophecy that have been fulfilled. So in Isaiah 9, there prophecies there is this past and this present and this future element to it. There's parts that have already been fulfilled. There's a present that's a reality now, and there is a future to it. In relation to the past, there were hundreds of detailed prophecies about Jesus that were fulfilled when Jesus came. And for those that have been here for the last couple of weeks, you already know I've been harping on about this, so do bear with me. But I do want to, just as a bit of a recap, we're going to watch this uh, video, three minutes long, and looking at it just in a couple of minutes, it just superficially looks at a handful of these hundreds of predictions, or prophecies as we would call them, written centuries before Jesus of Nazareth was born, and the Christian claim is, and it's verified I think by incredible evidence that he fulfilled all of them. So without any further ado, let's play the clip
1: of this entire series of Drive through History we've mentioned ancient prophecies about a future Messiah that the Gospels say were fulfilled in the life ministry death and resurrection of Jesus remarkably scholars count hundreds of these prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures over 300 in fact even more remarkable these predictions were made by multiple authors over the course of about a thousand-year time period. When the resurrected Jesus was eating fish with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, he reminded them of the things that had happened during his ministry. For the first time, Jesus opened their eyes to all the prophecies that had been fulfilled by him. He said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Luke 24, 44. Again, we're talking about Jesus being the fulfillment of over 300 prophecies without missing a single note. The odds of that happening by chance are zero. And so for any person to fulfill them all, it would take their circumstances being divinely orchestrated In fact, that is the claim of the Gospels. Now while many of the prophecies of the future Messiah were general in nature, some were very specific, like where the Messiah would be born, and how he would die. The Messiah will be a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Judah, of the house of David. He will be conceived by a virgin, born in Bethlehem, and taken to Egypt as a child. The Messiah will be heralded by the messenger of the Lord and anointed by the Holy Spirit to minister in Galilee, perform miracles, and preach good news. He will cleanse the temple, enter Jerusalem as a king riding on a donkey, be rejected by the Jewish people, and betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. The Messiah will die a humiliating death involving rejection mocking beating the piercing of his hands and feet and the piercing of his side he will be crucified with thieves and his executioners will cast lots for his clothing they will give him gall and vinegar to drink but unlike the other victims none of his bones will be broken In the end, he will be buried in a rich man's tomb, but will rise from the dead and ascend into heaven.
0: So with the prophecies, there's a past, a present, and a future. Many of those prophecies were fulfilled when Jesus came. And a part of the reason that they had all those details is so that people say, oh, faith is about, you know, I believe in reason, you guys believe in faith. No, everyone has faith. Anytime you uh, state, you, have, you vote, vote for a government, you're having faith in that government. Probably misplaced, but you're having both faith in a particular government that they might do something. Or you, if, you, if you get married, you have faith in the marriage vows that the other person is making. It might be misplaced again, but you are, exp- you are expressing faith in that. And so for those who put uh, our faith, there's always something. You're sitting on chairs. You're having faith that those chairs will keep you up. And for the Christians, we have faith that Jesus truly did fulfill those prophecies and is the Messiah, and the evidence for that is found in hundreds of prophecies. Do you have you looked at the evidence? So before you reject something, maybe there's an atheist here today, I suggest if you're a person of thinking and reason, never reject something without looking at the evidence first. Always look at the evidence first. It feels like when I was a young kid, uh, my parents were generally pretty fair-minded. But occasionally, I felt they judged me without giving me a chance to have my say. You not want to feel a kid like that. But mom, but mom, you want to have your say first. And it's like, like they have just heard one slide. Always make sure you check the evidence out on things before making a judgment. So there's a past, present, and future. In relation to the past already fulfilled. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This is in particular Isaiah 9. Right, So it's praying that Messiah would be born. And when Isaiah was writing this, he's this little, well, he's not a peasant. He was a scribe. But he was writing to a tiny handful of people. And he was saying that there's going to be a person who's going to be born. And it's going to change earth. And even for those who will reject and mock this forthcoming son who will be given, nevertheless, it will change the world. And of course, everyone who writes dates Uh, is acknowledging the birth of this king. And today, uh, we don't highlight the countries that do celebrate Christmas, Uh, they tend to highlight the countries that don't. Uh, Because pretty much the entire planet Earth celebrates Christmas. And if you ever look at China, that's the one that doesn't, because uh, President Jing's been a Marxist, he doesn't, he's a bit of a grinch about Christmas, doesn't like people celebrating Christmas. But nevertheless, in China, over the next 24 hours, there's still going to be 150 million Christians celebrating Christmas secretly in that land of China. That's an awful lot of people celebrating Christmas in a country that doesn't acknowledge it. And so as the country goes around, two to three billion people will actually celebrate it. And yes, skeptics, I am aware a lot of Kiwis are just there for the presents and the food. I do get it. But nevertheless, Christmas will be celebrated around the world. You're actually participating, think about this, in the greatest global event, the most inclusive for cultures, the number of cultures that participate. This is celebrated in the highlands, of of, uh, Papua New Guinea. They will be celebrating Christmas. It is celebrated in cathedrals and underground churches in North Korea. Billions of people will celebrate the son who has come, prophesied centuries before he arrived. And you're part of the two or three billion people. So this puts you as part of the largest multicultural, all-age global celebration that the world has as a celebration bar none. Interesting, isn't it? And we kick it off. We kick the celebration off here in New Zealand because of the time zones is even better. All right. So you're here early for the early part of the party. All right. So this is part of the past element. A son would be given who would change the world. And I mentioned in previous weeks about the difference that Jesus has made. A lot of New, Zealand, New Zealanders will say that all religions lead to light or all religions lead to light except for Christianity. Christianity is just a, is a bad egg of religions, and, I, and yet to realize how indebted they are to the Christian faith and to the difference that Jesus made, just historically. And this is not some pre- religious person saying this. This is hardened atheists who reject the Christian faith, acknowledging the difference that Jesus made. But there is also a future element to be fulfilled. And it talks on his passage, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Obviously, a quick trip to Israel, a quick trip to the Ukraine or different parts of the world, a quick trip to the New Zealand Parliament when they are on debate, and you will see that fairness and justice are not ruling perfectly on planet Earth, whether in Wellington, Geraldine, or the different parts of the, of the world. There is a future element when Christ will return according to, this pro- to the prophecy, and there will be this justice that will be perfectly had. Now, I'm sure when I was a non religious atheist, I'd go, what sort of crazy stuff do these religious people believe? That their, fa- their fairy tale carpenters is going to come back? Yeah, I don't believe that. But remember, even atheists believe in an ultimate end. It might be if they're lucky, they believe we're lucky enough to survive as a species, it'll be when the sun goes supernova or the heat death of the universe. But they still believe in an end. They still believe that there will be climactic events. And before people dismiss the yet-to-be-fulfilled prophecies, they should ponder how many of the prophecies have already been fulfilled the track record of God is a hundred to zero. Are you really willing to back against him? They've already been fulfilled. And how impossible it would have been for Isaiah when he wrote those prophecies to have seen what would transpire over the next 3,000 years, how unlikely it would have happened. So when this prophecy, there is a past, but there's also a future yet to be fulfilled, but there's also a present element to this prophecy. And it's for this that we just want to spend, I want to spend the next few minutes, and it's about the titles of Jesus. A current element to this prophecy now is, there's a present, if I can make that play on word, and it's about the titles that are given to Jesus. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. New Zealand, we're not yet a republic, so nominally we're still connected to the UK throne. And when King Charles became the king, he ditched a whole bunch of titles, I think he gave them off to his son, William. And I don't think I know if Harry got too many because he's a bit of a bad boy at the moment. But William got some. And then, um, um, and then King got some new titles. Like he's the King of New Zealand. Did you know that? That's a title he's got separate from the King of the UK. He's the King of the Falkland Islands. I've heard of, it's probably a title that he probably want to ditch. He's also the King of Australia, the poor guy. But there you go. So he's got some different titles. Well, the same is said for Jesus. Jesus had all these titles or attributes given to him. This, like a king, these titles that of who he would be. Whether you think King Charles is accurately fulfilling all his various titles or not, I will let you judge for yourself. But for Jesus, this forthcoming king would fulfill these qualities. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. I'm just going to have a look at them just very, very briefly. Attributes of Jesus. Wise have a look at the wisdom of Jesus. I was uh, reading recently Atheists for Jesus. Yes, there is actually such a thing, Atheists for Jesus. Seems a bit of an oxymoron to me. But these atheists were saying that a lot of Western society is going down the gurgle, a whole value system in the world, and the West is in decline. And they said that we have found no better values and teachers than Jesus Christ. I'm like... That's pretty crazy stuff. Atheists for Jesus. I got the whole shirts. So I even saw one with Richard Dawkins wearing one, which is very surprised me because he hates Christianity. But anyway, it's like, what was he doing wearing that shirt? I, I don't know. don't know what's going through his head. But there's a wisdom. Here's a scripture from Romans 11. Oh, oh how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can give him advice? And for who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory goes to him forever and ever. Amen. Romans chapter 11. There's an insurpassable wisdom that is given to. Jesus, and it's not just the wisdom that has changed the world that's celebrated around the world, and is in many ways a preservative in society that even atheists acknowledge, and those hostile to the Christian faith acknowledge. Uh, G- uh, Gandhi quipped, "He said, Jesus, I love the Christians. I have a problem with." <laughs> so, if you Gandhi from India, he said, "Read Jesus. Oh, this is great." Then he looked at how Christians were sort of you know following along. He's like, mmm, not so impressed about the Christians, but Gandhi recognized the teachings of Jesus. And this wisdom is accessible to us now. I know this is Christmas Day and it's supposed to be more of a light day, but may I give to you one of the, perhaps one of the most darkest times in my life where I found the wisdom of God that's accessible to us, the mighty counselor, was a life changer for me. I won't say the person's name or where it was, but it's not here in Geraldine. It was in another town, another time. Catherine and I, my lovely wife and I entered the season of ministry and there was a person who was coming to involved in the church service who absolutely hated me. Now, when people say the word hate, that is isn't usually an overstatement. just means they dislike you a little bit or they don't really want to talk to you. They might cross on the other side of the street, but they don't really hate you. Well, this person really hated me. He wrote letters about the most horrendous stuff that I could have sued them for defamation. Really true stuff. Absolutely horrendous. They just got into the head and they weren't mentally unwell. They just really got in the head. And it was the worst time of my life, it's now later on the emotional pain has faded. At that time, I was in utter despair. They were writing letters. They were doing all this thing. And I said, Lord God, what do I do? And Catherine and I were praying. And we felt the Lord say, say nothing. Do nothing. Pray blessings and pray for forgiveness and wait for me to come to your rescue. I said, but Lord, I need to do something now. No, wait. Zip your mouth. Either you will handle it and I'll leave you to it, or I'll handle it. And I decided to hear and listen to the counsel of God. Reli- Christian religion is not a philosophy. It is a relationship with the one God where you can hear from God. Have you heard from the Lord in a crisis situation? There is nothing like hearing from the Lord himself. And so I said nothing and did nothing and prayed into it, and we prayed blessings, and nothing happened. It got worse. And I said, well, there you go, God. That's my wise counselor. You suck. That's what I sort of said for a couple of years. But as I said, but still, I'm going to hold on. And I held on. And what I found is over time is the Lord came to my defense. And when I left that situation, I left with honor. And then a little bit later, uh, and this people said, this particular person will never, ever say sorry to you. that They've never said sorry to anyone. Well, Catherine got ended up with terminal cancer, which is at home at the moment. She was given six months to live you your visiting, but she's still alive now. And it came to be that we visited the town where this person was, and they came up sobbing in tears and said, we have spoken such evil over you, Alistair and Catherine, how can you ever forgive us? And everyone looked and said, saw that, and, and, and Catherine said, I will see you in heaven. And the only way that that could have happened was that I zipped my mouth and did not say what I thought of that good lady when she was saying the cruelest of things. And I had a lot of things I wanted to say. But I held silence. I held my peace. And I gave it to the Lord because the Lord is a mighty counselor. Do you know this counselor? This world needs the counsel of Jesus. He is wise. He is strong. He's all powerful. He knows the past, the present, and the future. Everything is in his hands. And he has all power. Do you know this strong king? And he's caring. He's an everlasting father. It's an interesting title given to Jesus but he had offspring. We are those that follow him. You know, in a sense, Jesus is our father as well. But the term father is a sense of caring. I know that not all earthly fathers are caring, but in the sense here, God is a caring father and he cares for us. He loves us. And lastly, he is peaceful. He desires to have a relationship with us, to be at peace with us and and for us to be at peace with one another. And some people say, well, how can can God be angry at me? Isn't he already at peace? Isn't God like Santa Claus? He just gives gifts to everyone? Well, no. Thinking of my life, when I was away from the Lord and hated God and hated anything to do with it, God was not peaceful with me. And when I've chosen my own rebellious actions, God was angry at what I was doing. But God didn't just leave me there. He loved me. He searched me out like a lost sheep. And that is the message of the gospel, that no matter how what you've done, no matter how far you are from the Lord, Jesus will come and seek you out because he is a prince of peace and desires to have peace with you and God. So here's a question, do you have peace with God? One of the ways that when I was spiritually resistant, I would turn up to a sermon like this, and I'd feel very uncomfortable on the inside, I'd be like dying, can't wait for the message to go and just to flee. That'd be sort of this, this intense feeling. And it was a sense that I was not at peace with God. There was something that I heard those calls, but I didn't want anything to do with him because I want to do life my way. If you're in that situation, you're feeling that right now, that is a sign you're not at peace with God. But he is a prince of peace who reaches his hand out to you to offer you this peace if you want it this morning. That's why he came. And out of that peace, he will offer you peace with the relationships around you. Do you have people for whom you have broken relationships with? God wants to restore them too.